Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 14 says, For this cause, the Apostle Paul says, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and by the way, you either bow the knee now before death or you bow the knee later. But if you bow now through faith in Jesus Christ to our Lord and Savior, you'll have everlasting life in heaven and sins forgiven and a new life in this life. If you wait till later, unfortunately, you've missed uh, the window of opportunity to turn to Jesus and trust him as your Savior and go to heaven one day. And so I encourage you, bow the knee now. And if you're a Christian in your heart every day, yield to God and bow your knee to him as your king and ruler of your life. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I'm thankful we have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the place. Some in heaven now, some on earth and scattered all over the place. Those who have from their hearts called upon Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. Part of the family of God. In verse 16 he says, as he bows his knee, he said that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. And what great riches our God has. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's inward. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Notice in verse number 19, our key verse, and to know the love of Christ. If you mark your Bible, the love of Christ, that's a good phrase to mark or highlight or make bold in your Bible. The love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. This morning we want to, I'd like to preach on the love of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time you've given to us this morning. Thank you for that wondrous story of what Christ has done for us. Lord, what love that is. What love. We can't comprehend it, really. We try to, and your word tells us about it. And we've experienced it, but it's often hard to put into words how much you love us and the way you love us. And God, I just pray that this this day, this Valentine's Day, this Sunday, this Lord's Day, Lord, that we would consider your love to us. And we would rejoice in your love for us, that we would understand it perhaps a little better this morning, and that it would motivate us to live for you. Lord, what great love, Lord, we just don't fully understand the love that you could have to us as sinners, those who have sinned against you, but yet you've died to save us, and every day you show your love to us. And God, we're grateful this morning. Help us to have the right heart and frame of mind as we listen to your word and we allow you to speak to us. Lord, at the very least, you deserve our, our audience for just a short time this morning. And we would consider your precious, holy, perfect word. So God, prepare our hearts even now. Use this time. Let it be profitable for Christ's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. You get this idea or the idea from this section of Scripture that the Apostle Paul 
really wanted believers, really wanted these at Ephesus to, and those who would ever read the Bible, of course, under God's inspiration, to get the idea of the love of Christ. He wanted them not just to intellectually know about it. Many people can recite who Jesus is or what he did or the fact that he loves them. And many can intellectually agree about Jesus, that he was some man who lived on earth at some point and gave his life for a cause. Uh, uh, we could even, as Christians, even though we have Christ, intellectually know that he loves us, but not really ponder it or think about it or consider how it should affect us. We could mentally agree to it, but the Apostle Paul, under God's inspiration, wanted them to experience it in such a way that it transformed their lives and led them in their walk for Christ. He prayed earnestly, he bowed his knee, that they would be strengthened in the inner man and that they would know Christ in his love. And folks, this is the kind of prayer I think we ought to have as well, so we may sincerely and wholeheartedly fulfill God's will in this life. You see, Christ must be the Christian's most prominent and preeminent love. Let me say it again. Jesus Christ, and it may, to some that may seem fanatical, but it's certainly not because when you understand his love and you're consumed with his love, it makes it a lot easier to love others in your life and others around you. So let me say it again. Christ, for the Christian, Christ must be the Christian's most prominent and preeminent love. You see, Christ and his love to us and in us and through us should be our focus. Many people that are searching for love, but they're not searching in the right place. That love that we desire we can, can be found and fulfilled in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes we make a byproduct out of the focus. We say Christ and his love should be our focus. Sometimes we'll make a byproduct the focus. For instance, we may strive to stop sinning, which is, not a, which is certainly a good thing. It's not a bad thing. We may strive to be more faithful in Bible reading or to treat our neighbor better. But those kind of things are really byproducts of what should be the main focus. The main focus is knowing Christ and his love. When the love of Christ grips you, then he is yours and you are his and God will be glorified in your life. As we think about the love of Christ, we want to understand it and understand, first of all, that it starts in our heart. It starts in our heart. Just like anything else it's, that springs from the heart, Christ's love and loving him and loving others starts in our heart. You notice verse 17 in our passage, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And we know through his spirit who comes and lives and abides in us at the moment of salvation, uh, he lives in our hearts. And it starts in the heart. Jesus Christ, by his spirit, dwells in the heart of believers. At the moment we believe in him and in his gospel, that's his death, burial, and resurrection for our sins, and we call out to him to save us, he comes and makes his abode with us by his spirit. He gets in our hearts by faith, not by works, not by religion, and not by uh, giving uh, of what you have, but by faith. He comes and lives within us, faith in Jesus. And when he's there, of course, his love is there. To us, for us, and through us. Romans 5, 5 through 6 tells us this. And hope maketh not ashamed, 
because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Think about love when you think of shed abroad. It's like, man, it just kind of covers you. By his spirit within us, his love is shed abroad in our hearts. We can't get away from it, neither should we want to. But when he comes and lives within us, not only uh, do we have access to his power, but we have access to his love. We must, of course, personally apply Jesus Christ and his sacrifice to our lives by faith. And it starts in the heart, just like anything else. Uh, Jesus and our God goes for the heart. Man looketh on the outward, but God looketh on the heart. Uh, he tells us in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's a heart matter. It, right? It's not, hey, I know that Jesus died for me, and sure, that sounds like a good idea. I don't want to go to hell, but it's from my heart. I believe it, and I believe him, and I desire him, and I call out to him to save me. The difference between the head and the heart And, of course, the love of Christ starts in the heart because when we believe him from our hearts, he comes and lives within us by his spirit in our hearts and sheds his love abroad. That's why uh, your heart's different after you get saved, or should be. There's a transformation that happens. You have love for those you wouldn't normally love. Uh, your, your heart is more open to the things of God and what God loves you desire to love. By the way, for a Christian, really, if we can just make it real simple, just love what God loves. If you love what God loves, you'll be heading in the right direction. If you just love what he loves and also hate what he hates, then you'll be all right. Because there are things God hates, amen? So it starts in our heart. Just as knowing that Soap will clean the dirt off of our hands. Does nothing for us, knowing that, until we use it. Knowing it doesn't do anything for me unless I use it. Knowing the facts of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us does nothing for a man until he personally applies them. Romans 10, 9-13, I quoted part of it. Let me finish it. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, the love of Christ starts in the heart. Is he in your heart? As a believer, are you letting him and his love rule and reign? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to shed abroad that love? Sometimes we put our own barriers up to hinder Christ from accessing certain parts of our lives. But listen, just... He's already shutting abroad his love in your heart. Just open it up to him. Just let him have full access. You won't regret it. Also, the love of Christ doesn't just start in our heart, but it affects our life. Look at verse number 17 again. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And then notice it says, That ye, being rooted and grounded in love. Being rooted and grounded in love. We are to be rooted in love. And grounded in love. Christ's love affects every area of our life. When you think of something rooted or grounded, it's secure. It's digging in. And that's what the love of Christ in us can do as we allow him to. Charles Spurgeon said, In our Lord's love, we have the best motive for loyalty, the best reason for energy, and the best argument for perseverance. 
Rooted, when you say we're rooted in love, indicates the illustration, of course, of a plant. Grounded indicates the illustration of a building. We can understand that something rooted or something grounded has great support and strength and, of course, affects the whole. If uh, a building isn't grounded well, if it doesn't have a good foundation, it's going to fall over time. If a plant isn't rooted well, it won't last. And if we're not rooted and grounded in his love for us, and, of course, that spurs us to love him and love others, then we're going to find uh, we're going to be absent of some of the important characters of the Christian life we ought to have. The love of Christ gives us the support that we need and is filtered through our life. From that love, we have a motivation, we have inspiration, and we have application. We have motivation to love him and to do his will and to love others because he loves us. And who are we that he would love us? And we have inspiration that if he loves me, I can love others. If he loves me, then I ought to live for him. We have application. I'm going to allow it to work through my life so I can be more like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. I was reading this the other day. It says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. But then the next verse says, let all things be done with charity. And that's a giving uh, spiritual kind of love, a godly love. And as we're strengthened within, as verse 16 of our text says, says that he would grant you that you'd be strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man and then grounded and rooted in love. This is very similar. As we're strengthened within, being strong, standing in the faith, acting the man, as verse 16 uh, refers to of the inner man, it expresses in charity without. So, in other words, we are to have inner strength grounded in Christ's love and outer charity expressing that love in all things. Colossians 3.14 says, And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. See, godly love reveals spiritual maturity. It says, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. That word perfectness has the idea of maturity and growth and complete. And it talks about us as we grow and mature in our Christian life. And in godly love, love for God, understanding his love and loving him the way we ought to and letting it filter through us so we love others as he would have us really reveals our maturity in the Lord and our walk with Christ. Love for God and others must be our focus and foundation. If so, other lesser loves will fade. See, when we see Christ and when we focus on Christ and his love, he will be all that matters to us and his love will affect our entire life. Thirdly, the love of Christ opens our understanding. Go verse number 18. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. The Lord's desire is that we know his great love for us as difficult as it may be. Right? And he said, it passeth knowledge, but Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul says, under God's inspiration, God writing it through him, uh, says uh, that, that you may understand his love, the breadth and the, the height and the width and the depth of his love, that you would understand it. This love that really passes knowledge. That can be difficult, certainly in our flesh to grasp, but even in our spirit, 
with our minds to be able to comprehend the kind of love Jesus has for us. Think about the aspects of love as seen here. We, it says the breath, the breath of his love. We could say it reaches his love to all who will trust and follow Christ. That's the breath of his love. The length of his love reaches from everlasting to everlasting throughout all ages. His love is there for any of all time to receive and accept into their life. Then we see the depth of his love. We could say reaches to the lowest sinner or the lowest place of sadness, grief, or misery. The one who we would say, man, they're on the bottom, whether that's because of sin or grief or struggle. Aren't you glad that the depths of God's love will reach them? I am. And if you were there any time of your life, you would be glad too. I'm thankful that the breath that all who would trust and follow him in the length weekend in 2021, anyone can still trust Christ and be saved. And then the, the height when we think of the love of Christ, I don't know about you, but it can lift us to a place of great joy and peace and understanding our acceptance in Jesus. In Ephesians, in the beginning of the, chapter, the book, it says, we are accepted in the beloved. Because of Christ and his love toward us, God accepts us. Man, what, what love when you understand the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of God's love. It reminds me of the song, what love, what wondrous love. That God would love such a sinner such as I. How wonderful is love like this. And what a truth. His love is un, really unfathomable. But we must seek to understand it knowing. Knowing we can never be separated from it. In Romans 8.35 it tells us who shall, who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. It's a good question. It's a valid question. It's, it's, it's a great love. Expansive and to all. What can separate us from it? Who shall separate us from it? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? In Romans 8, verse 38 through 39, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The story is told of a woman who left her husband the husband called the police and filed a missing persons report. A few weeks later, the police found her a few counties over. They asked him if he wanted uh, them to take, her to take him to her. By now, the husband had realized how poorly he had treated his wife. He decided to write his wife, and he did for months. Finally, Christmas came, and he went to see her. She was in a rundown hotel. He asked her to come home, and she did. On the way home, he said, I've written you for months. Why did... Why did you come home so easily? She replied, because those were just letters. This time you came in person. Think about Christ, how he came in person to save us and to show his love. It wasn't because he did anything wrong. It was because we did the wrong. And he came from very far away to prove his love for sinners. Well, listen, uh, it ought to do something to our hearts to think about the love of Christ. If it doesn't move us in any way... Uh, we don't have to bawl and cry. ought to move some kind of emotion within us of gratitude and love for him because of all that he did for us. As we seek to know the love of Christ to us, we will not only better understand it, but no doubt we will love him more and realize how amazing it is. The love of Christ also elevates our godliness. 
elevates our godliness. Look at verse 19. And to know the love of Christ with passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Here the desire is that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. That doesn't mean we become God. But I believe it means that with the love of Christ grounding us and motivating us and leading us, we will experience God's power, God's goodness, God's peace, God's joy to the fullest. Reminds me of when we're filled with the Spirit. Right In Galatians it says, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, long-suffering, etc., etc. As we yield ourselves to Him, He fills us with these things. And don't we desire that as Christians? Don't we want to be like Christ and be godly? Don't we want to have God's fullness in our life? Don't we want to have God's power and presence evident in us? May the love of Christ elevate our godliness. And may his love lead us to love him more. Let me give you some verses. Think about these. John 14, 21 through 23. Jesus says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And in 2 John five fourteen through 15, it reminds us for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge if one died for all then we're all dead. And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto them which died for them and rose again. And that love constrains us that if he would do this for us, if he would show his love in this way for us, then we ought to give everything for him. And just like in this life, if someone does some amazing things for you, unwarranted, unrequested, and just shows great love towards you, how indebted you'd be to them, how much more uh, to a God who not only died for us and gave us salvation, but also every day loads his benefits upon us and gives us great blessings and guides and directs us and answers our prayer and uh, brings us joy and peace in this life. How much more with someone like that that we would not owe our life to? Oh, listen, you may say, man... uh, this will change your, your outlook on living for Jesus or serving him. It's not, man, I have to serve him or I have to live for him or I have to do this. It's I want to and I get to because of his great love for me. You see, his love constrains you. It's not just duty that constrains you. It's the love of Christ that constrains you. It's not just uh, appearance and what others will say that will constrain you. It's the love of Christ that will constrain you to serve him with your gifts. Uh, to love him like you ought to, to live for him day by day, to live uh, godly, not because, well, I want to I I, I, I be good and I want others to see how good I am. No, it's, it's a, I want to because I want to please him, because it satisfies him, because uh, he wants me to live like him. And his love constrains us to live godly and right. As individual Christians and collectively as a church, we need to know the love of Christ We need to allow the love of Christ to motivate us and constrain us and love Christ the way he deserves because he first loved us while we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us. Spurgeon again mentions this. He says, give us a church that will love Jesus Christ much 
You will have mighty prayer meetings. You will have a holy membership. You will have liberal giving to the cause of Christ. You will have hearty praising of his name. You will have careful walking before the world. You will have earnest endeavors for the conversion of sinners. Missions at home and abroad will be set on foot when love is fervent. When the heart is right, everything is likely to be right. But when the heart goes wrong, oh, what a fatal thing it is. A disease of the heart is looked upon as the worst of mischiefs that can happen to a man. One old doctor of my acquaintance used to say, we can do nothing with the heart. God, keep us from a diseased heart, a fatty degeneration of the heart, and an ossification of the heart towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the truth, isn't it? When our heart goes astray from the love of Christ, there goes our life. There goes our church. There goes the testimony for Jesus in the world. There goes our service to him to be drudgery rather than joy. There goes our reading of the Bible uh, begins to be like reading any other book rather than a book that's alive and powerful and speaking to us. There goes our prayer life. Now it's just, now I lay me down to sleep. God bless this hamburger. Uh, and, and it's just kind of blah and just re- repetitious. And now it'll go to a, a grateful spirit crying out to God for the things we need. It'll go from, yeah, I hope they're saved, to by God's grace as he gives me the strength, I'm going to witness to them. Right? When I, the love of Christ filters through our life, it affects our life. It affects our witness. It affects all we do for Christ. And many, perhaps you're just walking around mechanically because you're lacking that heart for Christ, like the Tin Man in the Wizard of Oz, right? Not that you don't have a heart, but your heart isn't beating for Christ like it used to or like it should. And so you're just mechanically going around, read my Bible, pray, go to church, give, serve. Oh, listen, the Christian life is so much better than that. There's so much more joy and peace you can have if you just stay on fire for God, if you just stay close to Jesus, if you just remember what love, what wondrous love, that God would love such a sinner as I. Maybe some of us, we think we're, we're righteous. We are in Christ, but we forget that we're sinners. Oh, listen, what great love. Do you know the love of Christ? Are you living in that love? Is it love for Jesus that is motivating you, causing you to serve him and others? Are you a student of his love? Is it leading you to be filled with his fullness? Are you focusing on doing the right things or loving the right person? That will make the difference in our lives.